Welcome to Small Biz Brainiac, providing employer intelligence that helps you navigate the regulatory landscape and keep you on course running the business you love. Here's your host, Thomas Rock Lindsay. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 39, Garnishment Administration. My name is Thomas Rock Lindsay and I'm your small business buddy, instructor, and servant. And I'm here to help you thrive in your role as an employer. This is where small business owners gain employer intelligence in around seven minutes every Tuesday and Thursday. Now, one of the least enjoyable parts about being an employer is when you have to get involved in your employees' personal financial affairs. How? By having to withhold money from their paycheck, in other words, a garnishment. Garnishment administration is difficult, and it requires attention to detail. We're going to learn the basics today. I'm talking about the very basics on this episode of Small Biz Brainiac. Let's rock this. A garnishment is a wage withholding for the payment of a debt or other financial obligation. A garnishment order is a legal document that requires you, the employer, to withhold and remit money from your employee's earnings for the payment of the debt or obligation. A garnishment order is the result of several different types of events, and it's initiated by different types of creditors, plaintiffs, or government entities. Most garnishments are made by court order, but the government can also initiate a collection for child support taxes and student loan debts without a court order. Now, you're legally obligated to execute the garnishment and remit the funds. And if you don't, you can be liable for 100% of the outstanding debt. As crazy as that sounds, it's true. I've seen it happen. Don't take garnishment orders lightly. You need to give them priority attention, and you need to create a process to ensure that you respond to them timely. Garnishment orders get served on you, and at first glance, they look like you're being sued or that you're the one who owes the debt. You're actually considered the garnishee, which sounds like, again, you're the one with the problem. And the order is to you requiring you to withhold and remit funds from the debtor, your employee. These orders require a response from you. And if you fail to respond on time, again, you could be held liable for whatever portion of the debt would have been paid had you responded timely. If you don't respond at all, you can be held 100% liable. Now, you want to be especially cautious if you're operating as a sole proprietorship because you don't want to end up owing this debt personally. It's super important that you thoroughly read and follow the instructions that come with the garnishment. Now, one thing to keep in mind is that you must continue the wage garnishment until either the total amount has been withheld or you receive a notice from the creditor. If your employee tries to tell you that it's all settled, let them know that you're legally obligated to continue the withholding. The ADP Research Institute conducted a study which says that 7.2% of all employees had their wages garnished in 2013. 3.4% were for child support, 2.9% for other forms of debt, mostly student loans, 1.5% for tax levies, and 0.4% for bankruptcy. However, the rate is higher for employees between the ages of 35 and 44. It's 10.5%. Garnishment rates were higher among employees of manufacturing companies when compared to service companies, implying a variation between blue and white-collar environments. The study goes on to say that the economic downturn has produced a significant increase in the number of debtors, and creditors seem to be suing at higher levels. 
Garnishments are up 121% in Phoenix since 2005 and 55% in Atlanta since 2004. Garnishments are regulated by both federal and state law. The federal law is Title III of the Consumer Credit Protection Act, or CCPA. Now, this law basically does two things. One, it caps the amount that can be withheld. And two, it protects the employee from termination. Well, kind of. The job protection only applies to one garnishment, not two. So if your employee has two or more garnishments, you may terminate them for this reason. Under the CCPA, the wages that are subject to garnishment are called disposable earnings which is what's left over after you deduct all legally required amounts. What does that mean? Well, payroll taxes and retirement system contributions that are required by law, such as the teacher's retirement system. Now, the law sets the maximum amount that you may be garnished in any work week or pay period, regardless of the number of active garnishment orders that might exist. Now, this max applies to ordinary garnishments, which do not include child or spousal support, bankruptcy, or any state or federal tax. The weekly amount may not exceed the lesser of 25% of the employee's disposable earnings or the amount by which the employee's disposable earnings are greater than 30 times the federal minimum wage. I know that's a bit confusing, so let me say it another way. You can only garnish disposable earnings above $217.50 up to the point where the garnishment is 25% of the disposable earnings. So for example, let's say gross earnings are $263 and disposable earnings are $233. So only $1,550 can be garnished since only the amount over $217.50 can be taken. The easiest way to look at this is that on disposable earnings up to $289, you subtract $217.50 and garnish the rest. At $290 or more in disposable earnings, you garnish 25%. I just should have said it that way to begin with. Now, each state has their own wage garnishment laws, and some states provide better protections for the debtor than the federal CCPA. The National Consumer Law Center has published a state map showing the different debtor protections, and there are five categories. There are four Category 1 states, and these ban wage garnishments for most debts. They're North Carolina, South Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Texas. And there are five Category 2 states that preserve 90% of the debtor's wages, Iowa, Missouri, New Jersey, New York, and the Virgin Islands. And there are three Category 3 states that protect wages so the paycheck doesn't drop below the poverty level. That's Alaska, Florida, and Wisconsin. There are 20 Category 4 states that otherwise preserve more of the worker's wage than the minimum required by federal law. And finally, there are 21 Category 5 states that don't offer any more protection than the federal CCPA minimum. Now, if you're doing the math, I know that's 53 states. And since there are only 50 states, the list includes the District of Columbia, the U.S. Virgin Islands, and Puerto Rico. I've put a link to the NCLC state map in the show notes. What if one of your employees ends up with multiple garnishments? Fire them. Okay, I'm kidding. You can fire them if you want to, but if not, then there's a priority or a hierarchy used to determine the deduction order. 
It goes like this. Bankruptcy orders, child support, federal tax levy, federal student loan, state tax levy, state student loan, local tax levy, and then creditor garnishments. If you have employees or you conduct business in a state where you don't have an office address or where you have an address but no one is around to check the mail every day, then make sure you use a registered agent in that state so you don't miss the response date on a garnishment order. You have to respond to a garnishment order even if the employee no longer works for you, even if they never worked for you. Keep a log of the orders you receive and include your response date. Well, there you have it, a high-level, surface-scratching overview of garnishments. Let's recap. You can become liable for your employee's debt if you don't comply with your obligation as the garnishee under the law. An average of roughly 7% of employees have garnishments every year. The Consumer Credit Protection Act regulates garnishment deductions at the federal level. 31 states and one territory have higher limits on how much your employee's earnings can be garnished. And above all, respond timely to every order. If you like this podcast, please help me continue to grow the audience by spreading the word. Now, the nicest thing you could do for me is to leave a rating and a review on iTunes, which helps its ranking and visibility. It takes just a few minutes, and it would mean a lot to me to hear from you. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Small Biz Brainiac. To get your questions answered by Thomas directly, visit smallbizbrainiac.com. And for more employer intelligence, be sure to join us again here on Small Biz Brainiac.